Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskadden coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we have some interesting things to continue to follow. And then we also want to give you some updates um, on our disputes with YouTube and other social media platforms going into the midterms and the rest of this year. So things that will affect us. And I want to get into that after we, we go through some uh, scripture to let everybody else jump on uh, who might want to jump on this morning and today we want to continue on building on our understanding and maybe just you know resharpening redefining and remembering what our understanding of the covenant relationship with the Lord means and today we want to look at some of the blessings that come with his covenant relationship with us and I say that his and understanding that he has made a covenant blessing with those who have a relationship with him. So we first want to look in Psalms 110 to look at a psalm David wrote that shows us the in, in depths of um, what the Lord gives to Christ as he sits on the throne. And so, and how that applies to this covenant relationship he has with us. And so, Psalm 110 is very short, and it says, The Lord says to my Lord, and this is David writing, because I had to understand that one phrase, because if we don't understand that one line right there, it can be, it can have the rest of the, the, the psalm be misunderstood. And what it's saying there is that is I want to make sure I get this right because this is very, very important, is that really David's writing, he's saying, Jehovah said unto my Lord, meaning the Father spoke into my Lord Jesus. Here is what he's writing, is what pretty much every scholar, and, and when you read it, okay, that's what it comes under, the understanding of it is, is that the Lord says to my Lord, is what David's writing. It says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array from the womb of the dawn. Your youth are to you as the dew. And, you know, this right here speaks of how people will freely uh, want to worship and volunteer for the Lord as they, they get in that relationship. Not a forced nature that some um, people who have a spurned relationship with the, the body of Christ and church tend to believe. And here we go on in verse 4. It says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. 
the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fit them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. And I think that just shows the relationship of the Lord and in the response to his enemies. And then also the, okay, that's Old Testament. Well, that's the Old Covenant. Let's look at the New Testament as well. And in Ephesians 1 verse 22, it summarizes Psalms 110. And he says that he put all things in subjection under his feet, the Lord Christ, and gave him Christ as head over all things to the church. And so there we see, and and when we, we look back at understanding the times that these would have been written in the Hebrew and Greek and Arabic, we see that this line right here, and he put all things in subjection under his feet, is he is the one ruler over all these nations, um, to paraphrase it per se. So we see here that the Lord, and Czech points this out clearly, and, and it's just a, a moment of praise for us uh, to realize that and I'm quoting from, again, the future war of the church here in the dethroning thrones of iniquity chapter. And he says here, through Christ and his reign, all his enemies are put under his feet, as we see here in Ephesians 1.22. And this is the benefit and the blessing of a covenant relationship with him. He says, your enemies become his enemies because of his covenant relationship with us. And by being grafted in, and by the blessing of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're able to come into, not by any works that we have done, but by faith alone, and the grace coming from the Lord, and and, and the, the sacrifice that Christ made, to be able to get into this covenant relationship that the Lord has that he made with the people of Israel. The people of Israel weren't seeking this out. Jacob, however you want to put it. The Lord sought them out and he made a covenant relationship with him. And because of being grafted in, we now fall within that, as within the order of Melchizedek, etc., so on and so on, within his covenant relationship. I think that's that's more important and and for me, reading that this morning, it, it was humbling to really see that is is you know there is the the mantra sometimes in society that you know you have to do things, and that's kind of a, a debate going on and has been going on throughout church history. Faith or works, which one is it? James says faith without works. And so we have to understand that we are blessed here as Gentiles and even as some who have a Jewish heritage are blessed by the covenant relationship that the Lord made with us. And so that's the the biggest blessing of all that we see here in Scripture and, and want to understand that as we, we look at the news, not to be uh, boastful and bragful, um, as some have tended to be, and even there are probably times where we all are, and that's why we need to repent. But 
We want to understand this blessing of the relationship the Lord has with us, understanding that He will rule and subject others to His order in accordance to the will of the Lord. All right, so we want to continue on today in the news in covering the story, the recent updates of the Israeli-Lebanese maritime permanent now uh, that we learned permanent maritime deal that is being pushed forward by our administration and there are some interesting things that have come out and really the biggest thing we'll 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 see through what we learned today is the test of time will have to play out in this because it looks like all intensive purposes that they're gonna go forward this current lame duck government within Israel is going to go forward with it unless something miraculously happens to where they're forced to put it to a vote before the Knesset. And that's fully dependent upon the quote-unquote cabinet, the government, those who are in leadership, deciding whether they want to allow it to go to a full vote to the Knesset, which is (laughs) quite interesting. Didn't know you could decide to let the government do its job Um and, and only letting a select group of people do it. So what has come out now is that you have both the head of Mossad and the head of the IDF saying that they, in their opinions, their professional security opinions, that the, fa- the this deal does not favor Hezbollah because they say it does not. Because Hezbollah was left out of that, the question that Netanyahu brings out is, is, well, does that mean Hezbollah will actually honor it? Does that mean Hezbollah will not try to take over since they are, in fact, involved in the land? Um, so with that understanding, it's okay. That's nice. It, unfortunately, they're, they're being the current government is being somewhat naive involved in this and in, in understanding this. And they say that it does not... It, it preserves their security. It ultimately improves it. It does not preserve their security. It ultimately improves it. That's yet to be seen. They say that it staves off war. Um, Israel's not afraid of Hezbollah. The IDF is stronger than any terrorist organization. That's great to put that out there and to project that. But the reality is, is does this now force Hezbollah to do something? They say that, well, Having um, Lebanon have these these rights is is what happens all across the world. That might be so, but giving up permanent water rights, I don't think is uh, something that goes on around the world because you you use your water rights as as protection, which is why Taiwan has a major issue with why China is doing what it's doing in increasing in by sea and air across their borders. Japan as well has their same problems. Um, so to say that is very ignorant. Two things that are, are very important to understand about this deal. One, we know that this current full cabinet government from Israel will most likely be out of office come November 1st. They know that, which is why they want to push for this deal. What's also came has come to light over through this negotiations is that the Lebanese president, Michael Ahn, is going to leave office on October 31st. So back-to-back days, you have both parties who are in, two of the three parties involved in this will no longer be in office. 
And then what's right around the corner from that is our midterm elections. And the U.S., this, this whole deal is dependent upon the U.S., number one, being the mediator but still being involved in this in the long run. Who's to say the next president, whoever it is, the next cabinet, whoever gets input in this position again, says, eh, who cares? Let's blow this deal up. Lebanon can do whatever it wants. Oh, well, what's to say that doesn't happen? So there's there's a lot of, of problems involved in this, and the fact that both Israeli elections and this current government will most likely be out, and the fact that the Lebanese government and president is out, is you have two lame duck govern, governments making this deal. That is, and, and even the... What is it? The uh, who is it called? The alternative prime minister, Natalie Bennett, says that he does not like this deal, but he says because of the circumstances and um, the security challenges, uh, that we have to do it now. We just we just have to do it now. And that's whenever you're forced to make a decision like that in a negotiation, you tend to not see clearly about the reality of the actual deal. And that's what Netanyahu's trying to point out. He's trying to say, hey, there are some problems with this. Not only the fact that you're giving up permanent maritime rights, but the fact is you haven't re still released fully the full report up in, at the time. And it, you're saying that it shouldn't go to the Knesset. That's very problematic. You're saying a very select group of quote-unquote elite people can make this decision and we know better than the Knesset. Even though those people were not fully voted in office, the leader was to put the government together, but those within the cabinet, most positions weren't, but the Knesset was. Huge problems. Um, if this were to happen in the United States, it would be very problematic, as it does happen, unfortunately. And so just something we want to continue to pray about and understanding that this Biden administration, the United States, is leading this deal, is pushing hard for this deal to get done before October 31st, before November 1st. And the the reason they're getting glossed over, in my opinion, is because it is true that if Lebanon, the idea is this, this is why they're pushing so heavily for this, those who are in the current government within Israel and the, and the cabinet, is if you have a strong Lebanon who is independent of Iran, then they can possibly, the idea is, um, be in closer ties with Israel and move away from Iran and possibly let move Hezbollah out of the government. But if they're not willing to do that already, and you're saying now we're going to give them economic independence, and part of this deal says that no money will go to Hezbollah or Iran, etc., but who's to say they don't make this deal and do it anyways? And who's going to stop them? The United States? An anti-Semitic administration who, who could care less? Who wants to divide the land of Israel? That is very problematic. And, and it's very naive for this administ our current administration and their administration as well to think that that would um, not happen even though you quote-unquote make a deal. International deals are made all the time, and they're broken all the time. Because at the end of the day, who's going to hold who accountable? Unfortunately, it's sad. And oh, the irony of it all. Okay, moving on. 
Speaking of Iran, we're seeing now that the uh, U.S. State Department spokesperson uh, Ned Price has come out and said that this current administration and Iran does not look like it will get a deal done because Iran does not want to get a deal done. We've known that all along. They're just using this administration. Then they're negotiating to buy time. We talked about earlier this week about how they're implementing more underground reactors to be able to produce more enriched uranium for a nuclear weapon for what they deem as medical um, purposes, but they've blown past the enrichment process um, that they actually need for that. So why would they go to this level 60-90%, which is what they're headed towards? Interesting to see that. Something to just pay attention to there, because obviously we have an understanding, as the administration has put out, that they are pushing hard for this. They want to get this done. Maybe it's something the administration with the midterms going on kind of wants to let this quelch um, and then come back at it after the midterms as most of their decisions are being made towards that effect right now. You're also seeing involving Iran um, and moving into Russia is that Iran-made drones are continuing to be used by Russian forces to go after civilians within Ukraine, in Kiev more specifically, and it is a fourth day of bombardment um, for them. So pray for the, the people of Ukraine to have the strength to endure this, to know what to do. Uh, it, it is an all-out war between them right now, and the decision is for every other nation what to do. Uh, do do they get involved? Um, do they just send money, weapons, etc., stuff like that? So we're seeing this stuff play out. What, what does this mean moving forward? Not, no, I don't think anyone really fully understands. But you go back to the prophetic that the Ukrainians have that they would be in this battle, that the nations of the world would kind of sit on the sidelines and that they would have to fight. And I think they have to show the realities of what Putin is willing to go for to make the reality for the world to realize that Russia does want to get back the former Soviet states. Because that is still intellectually disputed today. The Lord says this is what this is what Russia's trying to do. Will the people listen to the prophets and the prophetic warning? That's still up in the air, sadly. Um, and we're we're seeing that with there's a vote in the UN, and I don't really take the UN real heavily, but they did have a vote, and I think this just speaks to the state of the world and their stances toward the Russia-Ukraine war in that you had a vote of the 193-member UN General Assembly that 143 voted in favor of a resolution criticizing Russia's what it be, was being called illegal so-called referendums of annexing the regions of Ukraine that they supposedly did military exercises in, uh, the Dunkst and and those regions. I'm forgetting the names. You also had in that vote, you had 143 vote to basically criticize them. You had 35 abstaining, and then you had four countries who voted in support of Russia. And those are Syria, who is being in com- 
complete alignment with Russia in allowing troops North Korea, Belarus, and Nicaragua. Hmm. Very interesting for the United States to see Nicaragua take that such hard of a stance. And part of the countries who abstained were China, India, South Africa, and Pakistan, along with 31 other nations. So that's where the rest of the world stands on this issue. Some are staying on the sidelines. Very interesting to see that, but just something we need to be aware of and understanding the kind of layout now of the global countries and leaders and how they look at this. Also, um, speaking of Saudi Arabia, the whole debacle with OPEC and NOPEC bills coming forward, being supported by uh, not only Democrats but Republicans as well, which is just, I mean, a complete bait by the Democrats to fool and pull the wool over uh, Republicans for thinking that that would be possibly the, the resolution that needs to be done, is now Saudi Arabia has come down and kind of rebuff President Biden, embarrass some, you know, calling an embarrassment. Um, but it's really kind of blowing, blowing things out of this administration, out of the water, in the fact that Biden has pushed and asked them through a letter, uh, official statement, to not reduce the production of oil you know, by 2 million barrels a day until after the midterms. They rebuffed him and said, no, we're not doing that. We're not listening to you. And then he's also asking Democrats to say, well, hold off on doing this NOPEC bill, which they already have, uh, of pushing forward with it. So it's just showing a complete misunderstanding and a lack of reality in this situation. And you're focusing on OPEC when we have the capabilities, and we did have the capabilities, and we were producing our own oil and natural gas, and we were energy independent, and now we're having to go back to being dependent upon them. For what reasons? It just shows the mindset of this administration and just shows the lack of leadership in this situation. And so something to just, I mean, repent for, pray for wisdom, and pray for leaders in the future, those who are running for office now and in the future, to understand the realities of this energy crisis situation that, depending on OPEC, is most likely, in reality, not the best solution. And then also realizing, looking at the realities of this renewable green energy deal and looking at what can be done in the meantime. So we're seeing this play out in advance. And then I talked about earlier we some issues involving us in our ministry. Just so you guys are aware, you, you guys most likely know um, who are listening live and those who, who listen on replay, on podcasts, on Facebook, wherever you guys listen. We are now on our first official strike with YouTube. So how it goes is you get a community guidelines basically warning saying, hey, you're you're going against us. This doesn't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. You just, you can't post for a week. Then they give you three strikes after that. So you get four, basically four strikes against your channel at the fourth one or the third strike, quote unquote, what they call. So you get a warning and then three strikes. At the third strike, everything's deleted. There's nothing you can do about it. This is all based upon their guidelines. 
of making a safe environment online for people, even though it changes every other day. And something you may have said a year ago may affect how their guidelines or may go against their guidelines in the future and everything's retroactive and anything anything can cause anything to try to cancel you. And so they've gone back, and if you followed us long enough, to our Welding the Axe conference with the Dutch and other noon prayers that we've had in um, June of, not this year, last year, and several other videos where they were just deleting them, but now they're deleting them and they put a strike against us. So we're going to fight this. I've been fighting a lot of them. We've been pulled down, been put back up, pulled down, put back up type stuff. Uh, that's why we were prepared for, number one, our app, um, not being dependent upon anybody else because we 95% can control that. There's a company we work with to to be able to put that up. If we have to, we will go on our own and do it. It would just take a lot more resources. Um, but then also on Rumble as well, because we know we can't trust Facebook and YouTube. We're, we're seeing that. Facebook has actually been silent on a lot of issues. Right now, they're not doing the censoring, whereas it's more so YouTube that is being the overreach company. And so know that we're we're fighting this. It's a 90-day strike. We'll put out an email um probably this weekend about letting people know where to follow us if you don't already have our app and you want to just be aware of what's going on in our ministry we highly advise of that um also rumble right now seems to be one of the safer spaces um and it's honestly a better video in my personal opinion and you can watch it on your phone without being in the app um so just know that youtube is censoring a lot of people and it's interesting they they they're intentionally going after our channel right now and in, in my honest opinion is that they shut Dutch down and now they looked at it. as soon as they started going after Dutch they started going after us because they saw we had Dutch on um, and they've done the same thing to us where they've seen where we've been on other people's channels and they've gone after them so it's very interesting to see them make these moves of censoring in my opinion is that they're doing this right before the midterms anything involving LGBTQ, anything about questioning, um, speaking about anything that they don't 100% agree with, they're coming after you for. We've seen how that plays out in reality. Um, it doesn't fare well for them, and it has it in the past. So I uh, just want to make you guys aware of that. If you don't already, please follow us on Rumble. Download our app where we'll have pretty much everything and this as well. We're on Podbean, um, Spotify, Apple, wherever... Any, any place you can think of, we're there for this, for our, our church services and everything. So, And then last thing, I want to close out on this major, major victory, is out of Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court, in a case with Pennsylvania mail-in ballots, the Supreme Court on Tuesday ruled in favor of really justice and clarity uh, and a major victory that in an opinion written by Sonia Sotomayor and Katinja Brown-Jackson that said that in any mail-in balloting, if they're not filled out properly, not given the dates, not 
signed correctly, if anything's wrong, any technicality, that those ballots should now be thrown out. Because in Pennsylvania, specifically, there is a law that says if it's not filled out properly, it should not be counted. Now, the huge problem is this case was brought up during the counting of ballots in the last election, and it wasn't decided on. So that's a major problem of you. This is a very clear case to see. If Sotomayor and Katinja Brown-Jackson can decide that now, why couldn't then Justice Bayer decided it then? Very problematic because the person it hurts most is David Ritter, who lost the election because of the improper ruling at the time on this case. He's a Republican. The Democrat got in. Pennsylvania. Now it's, uh, oh, well, too bad. We made a mistake. Or we just didn't rule on it. Blah, blah, blah. Nothing can change the past. We can only look at going forward. Now, is this law going to be uh, adhered to in the future? Hopefully. Not only does it affect um, Pennsylvania, but it also affects their, the district that the third um court of a third circuit court of appeals is under which new jersey and delaware also fall under and then also other cases can now use this as precedent and the the other ruling cannot be used as precedent anymore so basically this is the standard now is you have to you have to i don't know follow the rules follow all the technicalities and if they're not counted if they're not followed then you can't count the votes and the, the major issue of why wasn't this decided at the time was because uh, David Ritter lost his seat on the Lehigh County um, Court of Common Pleas after 257 mail-in ballots did not have dates on it. Where they should not have been counted, they were counted. So this is why it's important to have procedures be followed it's good to see that Kadinja brown jackson and justice sotomayor can actually follow the law and rule in accordance to the law when it's not politically motivated so they're not 100 um ruling incorrectly um, they can rule properly but the other question is is well why didn't everyone why wasn't it unanimous but i'll end there it is still a major victory um, that they ruled properly and will allow the quote-unquote true vote the real vote the the properly technical vote to go forward um, with all the discrepancies that may be out there if you're filling out a ballot follow the procedures follow the steps to make sure that it can be counted so with that blessings each and every one of you for following along we'll be back tomorrow to close out the week and let's continue to pray for our team as in Israel. If you haven't seen, there are disputes going on with um, Palestinians in the land. Our people were actually uh, in the middle of it in Jerusalem. And so we just want to um, continue to, to cover them as they're there. Even as this time with the Lebanese-Israeli uh, maritime deals going forward that this administration is putting forward. And pray for our administration to just have the fear and wisdom of the Lord and for future candidates to realize the situation that they're in. So blessings, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.